Okay, the parasha. We're going to do, do something uh, a little bit about the Haggadah of Pesach, and we'll connect it to the parasha. The first thing on the sheet. First thing is this odd thing that we have in the beginning of the Haggadah. You may have noticed, which is sort of like a table of contents for the Haggadah, and this table of contents uh, scholars attributed to Rav Shmuel and Kalaiza. Now, Rav Shmuel Pelaiza was a, um, he, he was one of the Balea Tosafot who lived in the 13th century. Like, you have to just understand, Balea Tosafot are the children and grandchildren of Rashi. Right? Rashi was in the 11th century, and this is the 13th century. So the children and the children of the children and, and, and the intermarried children, of, I mean, the ones that are not directly from Rashi's family, they're all Ba'alei Tosafot. And he wrote this introduction. We don't know why he wrote the introduction, but it's something to think about. Now, most people, most adult even, I think, as far as I was able to, to, uh, uh, to look into it, uh, sing this. There's a melody that everybody has. Everybody has a melody. They're not always the same. But they sing, you know, the way I learned in my, in my father's house, so there's a little bit different uh, versions of the, same, of the same thing, but it's like you start off the Seder with a bang, you know, like there's something happening. But the question, of course, is why is this, why is this the case? I mean, why? So you could say, look, the 13th century was before printing right before Gutenberg or before China, but we, we usually go by Gutenberg. Uh, Gutenberg changed everything, like the world changed, because everybody could get a book. But before Gutenberg, before the 15th century, this is the 13th century, the 15th century, uh, that they call that, I think printed in the 15th century, is called the Kunabula. They, uh, they ink, what? From, 14, from 1385. Who? Gutenberg? Was, was Gutenberg, yeah. but the century. Yeah, the rest of that century. Yeah. 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 No, no, the whole, the whole next century. century. The whole next century was in Kunabu. So, so uh, once you had printing, everybody could get a Haggadah. I mean, it's true, they didn't have the Manischewitz Haggadah, but they had a Haggadah, right? They had a Haggadah, and they didn't need the introduction, but maybe before printing, they needed a way to remember what it was that they were supposed to do. You know, what they were supposed to do when they, when they, uh, when they did the Seder. So here came, along came Rav Shmuel, and he invented, he invented this table of contents. The table of contents which, uh, uh, which tell us what we're supposed to do. So you see Kadesh, that's the, first, the first thing we do is we, we make Kiddush. Right, we make Kiddush. It's, when is the Seder this year? It's on Friday night? Yes. Oh, good. So Friday night, Friday night, there's a mitzvah, there's a mitzvah doraita to say Kiddush. And then there's a mitzvah drabonon to say Kiddush on Yontif, right? The Kiddush on Shabbos is doraita because it says, Zachor, Yomah, Shabbat, Lekatsho. You have to remember Shabbat. And the way we do that is by saying Kiddush. On Yontif, there's sort of like an extension. We say, okay, we'll also do it on, on Yontif. Uh, but if it was not Shabbat, it would be a mitzvah drabanon to say Kiddush. The main thing is the difference, of course, in the Kiddush on uh, Seder night 
at the Kiddush on Shabbos or Shabbos night is that on Friday night you don't really have to drink from the wine even though people do it right what why not why not yeah or like what would I do with all those little cups that I have I mean, if I didn't give out the wine for Kiddush so you don't have to drink the wine but usually the halacha is that the wine the rof kos of the wine, whoever made Kiddush, has to be drunk. So if the person who made Kiddush doesn't want to drink all that wine, he can, uh, he can rely on others to help him. You know, give out a little of the wine to everybody. So everybody drinks a little wine, and the, the rof kos of the Kiddush wine is thereby drunk. But on Pesach, there's a difference. Because on Pesach, there's a halacha of arba kosot. Arba kosot, four cups of wine have to be drunk by everybody who's telling the story. And everybody who's telling the story is everybody. It was the, the, the obligation to tell the story of Yitziak Mitzrayim devolves equally upon everybody who's sitting at the Seder. There's no, no difference between men and women, adults and and uh, older adults or younger adults, there's no difference. Everybody who's chayav in a mitzvah, everybody who has to do the, mitzv- the mitzvah, has to drink four cups of wine. And the first cup of wine that you drink is the cup of Kiddush. And so even though on a yantiv, on a regular yantiv, it's not Shabbat, you don't have an obligation to say Kiddush, but you do have an obligation to drink the wine. It was you can't ask you, the person sitting next to you to help you drink the wine. You have to drink a cup. Each one has to drink a cup of wine. Or today people uh, use grape juice because it uh, doesn't affect your soul quite as devastatingly. So you can use grape juice. I guess I don't, I don't do that. I, I always drink wine. But it seems to me that wine was the idea of making the meal of great importance. It's part of the Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. Part of the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim is that I feel like an important person. I feel that there are different things that I, I lean when I eat and I drink the wine. And that's the things that rich people do. Like, you know, I mean, a cup of wine costs a lot more than a cup of Pepsi Max. So you feel good about drinking, about drinking the wine. But every person has to feel that way because it's part of the story. Part of the story, like I was, in, I was enslaved in Mitzrayim and now I'm free. And I want to feel free. I want to feel, interestingly, the first Mishnah in the 10th parak of Sachim says that even poor people, people who, who are, uh, are the dole, you know, who receive uh, support. Uh, the Mishnah is called Minatamchui, right? The people who are supported by the community, even they should feel this way because they, after all, are telling the story. And as you see, if you look at it again, if you think about what happened last year, but the story of Pesach is told by speech and by action. Right, you do something. You do something when you tell the story, and and the part of the action is pointing at things. For example, 
where you, where you mention matzah, you point at the matzah. So people uh, uh, realize when you point at something, usually it's important. You're pointing at something because it's important, but it's part of the way you tell the story. Right? You know, little kids, they go to school and they show and tell. Show and tell is helpful. It's helpful to understand. So when you say, when you say, and they didn't have time to, to bake bread, they could only bake matzah. You point to the matzah, you say, yeah, I haven't eaten that since Yitziat Mitzrayim. You know, like, bread is a lot better. But you tell the story. You tell the story that way. So that's Kadesh Urchatz, Karpas Yachatz. So, so it may be that the reason that Rav Shmuel invented this list of things was practical. In other words, not everybody had a Haggadah, and maybe they would forget it. So if they could teach a jingle, I don't know if he was you know, into that kind of education, but if I could teach the Jewish people a jingle which will tell them how to do the Seder, maybe that would be helpful. Maybe that, that would be helpful, especially since not everything in this list is necessarily about Yitziat Mitzrayim, but for example, Karpas is something we do, uh, there were things that are done so to encourage people to wonder about what's going on, right? To encourage children to ask, to encourage people to ask each other why are we doing this and why are we acting this way? And that seemed to be the way that the Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim was encouraged. So it could be that Shmuel made up this list, this outline, in order to make it uh, easier for people to remember what they had to do. Because there are mitzvot doraita, mitzvot rabbanan that we do, especially the Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim is equally obligatory on men and women, and so it's important, it's important that everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, today it's a lot easier because everybody has a Haggadah. I mean, the Haggadah could be colored Haggadah, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of different ways of, of getting out the material. But that's, what, that's the first thing. But I want to know, if maybe we could look at it a little more carefully this idea that there's a table of contents and see, uh, see if we can uh, get a, a, different, a different interpretation. I mean, in any event, this uh, list of things that Rav Shmuel wrote down made it into every single printed Haggadah in the world. I have not seen every single printed Haggadah in the world, but Though I've seen a lot of them, and they all contain, they all contain so I mean, somehow the Jewish people saw this as being important. It's important, and as we said at the beginning, they even sing it together. So now it's, we're not going to forget the fact that the parashat Shavua, parashat Shavua is Tazria. Parashat Shavua this week is Tazria. You know that Tazria. I mean, I'm leaving the. The list of going to the parsha. The parsha is Tazria. The end of the parsha of Shmini, last week's parsha, is about uh, animals that are designated as being either Tanei or Tahor, and they're even listed. Many of these animals, many of these animals, birds, pheasants, etc., are listed as Tanei and Tahor. Tahor means edible, and Tami means don't eat them. The Torah doesn't tell us why we shouldn't eat them. 
or it doesn't tell us whether we have an obligation to eat uh, animals or not, you know, whether being a vegetarian is a good idea or bad. The Torah doesn't, doesn't relate to that. What the Torah does say, the Torah does say that there are animals that are edible, Torah edible, and there are animals that are not edible at all. At the end of the parasha, the idea of parasha, I've mentioned this, I may have even mentioned it recently, the end of the parasha, there are two psukim of, of uh, great significance. The plus, first pasuk is on the sheep. Ki ani Hashem elokechem v'itkadishtem v'yitem kedoshim. V'itkadishtem, I want to offer an interpretation of the word v'itkadishtem, right? Obviously the root of the word is, is kadosh. And kadosh is usually translated as sacred, sanctity, uh, you know, of that kind. But what I think that the word means is Distinguish. It was vikadishtem, vitem kedoshim means distinguish as, uh, as the Torah has taught you, and you will be in that category. So that means that vikadishtem in this case means some animals are edible and some animals are not edible. edible. That's vikadishtem. Ki kadosh ani. That somehow this relates us to God. Right? We have to distinguish. God is the ultimate distinguisher. And therefore, if we do it, if we do what the Torah tells us to do, that puts us on a path that directs us, that directs us to God. And you will not tamay. Tamay is a word that describes, well, in English you might say unclean, but that wouldn't give you the force of it. Uh, Tameh is something that's not good, not good for you, not good to be with, not good to, to undertake. All of that is called, all called Tameh. Now the word Nafshotechem is again a difficult word, even though we all know what it means. Right? A person, if I would say, if I like take that view that there's a physical person and that there's a more spiritual person, so the word nafshotechem applies to the latter and not to the former. Now how exactly to describe that further, I, I demur. Lo tintamuit nafshotechem, bekol hasheretz or omeitz ala aretz. Sheretz is a creepy crawly thing that runs around on the ground, right? Even though some creepy crawly things are kosher, but many of them are not. Right? I think grasshoppers are kosher. It doesn't... I mean, it doesn't have that much appeal, but uh, I think, you know, the what? Yemenites used to eat gra- grasshopper, uh, they used to fry them, you know, and make it into a kugel, a grasshopper kugel. But I think eventually they stopped making that noise. Uh, okay, so that's what it says. So this is, this is pretty serious. This comes at the end of the parasha, the end of the parasha of Shmini, and sort of summarizes the idea that there are kosher animals and non-kosher animals, and summarizes that idea, right? And then it says, Pasuk Rem Ki, right? The Pasuk Rem Dalit also says Ki, right? Meaning, this is the reason. If you follow my directive, you end up Kadosh. You end up Tahor. 
You avoid being tamay, right? You, you're, just like, you're just like God in some way, which is why I wanted to translate is to distinguish. Pasukrim, hey, ki. Ki, again, ani Hashem, ha-ma'aleh etchem Mitzrayim, who brought you up, ma'aleh, is the word to bring up. Right, ma'aleh etchem eretz Mitzrayim, liot lachem lelokim, in order that I will be you, a God for you, v'yitem kidoshim nochamu, and you will be, whatever the word kidoshim means, again, I think it means to distinguish. You will be a distinguisher. Ritem Kedoshim, Ki Kadosh Ani. Ki Kadosh Ani. If you look at the Rashi, Rashi doesn't help us much, but he gives us, a, he, he, he highlights the problem. Pasuk Mem Dalit, Pasuk Mem Dalit, it says, Ki Ani Hashem Elokechem. That's how it starts. Kishem Shadi Kadosh, Shadi Hashem Elokechem, Kach Vid Kadishtem, just like I, God, am Kadosh, whatever that means. But we know that in the creation of the world, that God did certain acts of distinguishing, right, between the dry land and the land, between Gan Eden and the rest of the world. There were certain elements of distinction or distinguishing that what part of that were part of the creation itself. Even though the word lahavdil was not considered by the Baalei uh, Kabbalah as, as one of the verbs of creation, right? Creation, alabed, yud, ayin, amira, beria, yitzira, and asiya. Those are the verbs that the Baalei Kabbalah understood as being verbs of creation. But the word lahavdil also appears also appears, and it's a sort of a kind of creation, maybe a lower level of creation, distinguishing between two things that are there, right? The dry land is actually there under the water. It's just that you have to move the water away. It's not, not a new creation, but it's a reorientation. It's a reorientation of, of sorts. Again, V'yitem Kedoshim, Rashi, L'fisha Nekdashetchem Lemala, Ubalam Habasa, Rashi, has difficulty. Like he looks around wherever he was and he sees the people and they're all eating kosher food but he doesn't see the kedusha. He doesn't see it. It's like, you know, see, Rashi probably had the same problem we have. Like we know who the, uh, who the rabbis are but we don't always see them as being special, unfortunately. So, so Rashi says, the this is going to happen in heaven and in the next world. It's sort of like you can't judge the Torah promise by what you see because the Torah promise might be about the next world, the, the world that is coming. Hmm. So now Rashi says, Lotitamu, you should not be unclean, you should not be tamay. You should not deny. God's prohibitions. Lavin Harbei, the, the, the negative commandments. They call love Malkot. Every love is, uh, creates an obligation of Malkot. And that's what, uh, uh, what the, 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 the Gemara says that if you do with Avera, you get, uh, you get Malkot. You get Malkot, quotes the Gemara. 
let's go on. Ki ani Hashem amalatchem. This is really the 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 crucial crucial issue. Amalatchem al menatche tegablu bitzvotai haleiti etchem. So Rashi says the simple shot. I brought you up out of Mitzrayim. Amalatchem. I brought you up out of Mitzrayim in order that you get the mitzvot. That means the whole point is Har Sinai, Kabbalata Torah, Kiyuma Mitzvot. That's what we do. That's what we do. Al menatche tegablu bitzvotai haleiti etchem. Davar cher. I have another point. doesn't mean an alternate, a different explanation. It means a further explanation. He, he, he says, that I, I have to point this out to you. He says, the Pesach says, Every place else in the Torah, it says, horizontal. You go from Mitzrayim to Har Sinai. That's horizontal. So the the word that should be used, the verb that should be used, is is uh, Yitziyah. I brought you out of Mitzrayim, not I brought you up from Mitzrayim. That's wrong, according to Rashi. He says he says Bekulam Ktiv Hotseiti Vekan Ktiv Hamaaleh. So that's the question. Why does the Torah say here in this Pasuk? Rabbi Ishmael was a contemporary of Rabbi Akiva, right? Two Tanaim who were forging the ideas of Jews, at least the ideas we have. We don't have anything, we don't have much from the period of David Amelech until the Tanaim. But the Tanaim, we have a lot. And and Tana uh, Devei uh, Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yishmael said, Il Malay, lo eleiti et Yisrael bi Mitzrayim, ela bishvil she'ein mitamid bishrat sim kishar umot. If I had only brought them out of Mitzrayim in order that they should accept the prohibition against eating shrat sim, shrat sim again, creepy, crawly little things uh, in the ground. If they'd only accepted that, What does dayam mean? That would be enough. What do you need the Torah for? It's enough not to eat grasshoppers, or to eat grasshoppers, but not to eat other things, locusts. Sufficient. Sufficient. <laughs> And this gives them a ma'ala, an advantage. It raises them up. It raises them up. That's why the Pasuk says, I brought them up from Israel. I brought them up from Israel. So this, of course, is reminiscent. This, of course, is reminiscent of a very important part of the Haggadah. <laughs> Dayenu, right? That's like the most important thing that there is. Everybody sleeps for the rest of it. But Dayenu is a showstopper. Everybody sings Dayenu. Thankfully, nobody knows exactly what they're singing and whether or not they should be happy about it. But for example, Dayenu is the poem that says, if I had only received X, that would have been enough for me. And in fact, X is a lot less than the Torah. 
And in fact, there's a line in Dayenu which says, Ilu kervanu lifnei har sinai velo natan lanu et ha-Torah Dayenu, absolutely impossible. How could anybody say anything like that? How could anybody say anything like, Ilu kervanu lifnei har sinai if God would have brought us to Mount Sinai velo natan lanu et ha-Torah Dayenu Dayenu, but I argued once, and I will argue against, that this is the most important line in the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Before we get to that, let's learn another pasuk. No, no, Dayenu. All this is the same, it's the same. This line in Rashi and that line in Dayenu, which we, we don't say the line in Rashi on the night of the Seder, but it's the same idea, and it's probably the most important line in the, in the, uh, in the Haggadah. Now, the beginning of the parasha of Tazria, that's this week's parasha, right? Tazria. Tazria is about Tumah v'tahara. It starts off with Tumat Yoledet, a, a, a birthing woman, a woman who gives birth, uh, uh, is Tameh. Uh, is for some period of time, and then she goes to the mikveh, and, and she's not Tameh anymore. That's, why, that's the beginning of the parsha of Tazria. So the Pesach says, Usually the zera, zera seed is associated with the man, but so I guess it could be a woman who is seeded somehow. And then she, she becomes Tameh. She becomes Tameh. So that's what the Pesach says. And it goes on to the various halachot that are connected to childbirth, the birth of a male, the birth of a female, etc. Now Rashi quotes a medrash. Rashi quotes a medrash on this pasuk. And the medrash says, Omar Rabbi Simlai. That's how we say it, Simlai. I don't know if it's right, but we say it that way. <laughs> Just as HaKadosh Baruch decided to create man, according to the story in the first chapter of Bereshit. Right, first chapter of Bereshit? Simchat Torah, first chapter of Breshit, that the creation of man, woman, was on the sixth day of creation. Whereas the behemah, chayav, va'of, the big animals, the little animals, the wild animals, the, the birds, were all created on the fifth day. So that Rav Simlai says, Rav Simlai says, look here, just like man was created after similarly similarly in the parish of Shmini what do you have in the parish of Shmini? Which animals you can eat and which animals you can't eat. And then along comes Tazria. Tazria talks about Tumavitara of this woman, 
who was giving birth. So Rabbi Simla, he's sitting in the yeshiva, and somebody asked him a question, how come, isn't, wouldn't you say that man slash woman are more important than behemoth chaya ba'ov? Shouldn't the Torah have, have uh, uh, taught us this material in the opposite way? First teaches about Ishaki Kazuya, then teaches about behemoth chaya ba'ov. So what did Rabbi Simla say? What did Rabbi Simla say? He said, Bereshit. The way God created the world is a model of order. Order. It was like God could have created the world in a, in a heartbeat. Poof! Here's the world. Didn't have to be done. It didn't have to be done in an order. But it was done in an order, and that means that the order is of great importance. It's of such great importance that when the Torah presents us the topic, the big topic of Tumavatara, it starts off with Behemah Oh, and then only goes to Adam and a, a man and a woman because that's the way the order in Breshit was. And the order in Breshit is critical, crucial, important. It must be, it must be that way. That's what, that's what Rabbi Simlai said, but we don't know. We understand what Rabbi Simlai said. Rabbi Simlai, you know, like he had this good Nikita student who annoyed him, and he took care of it. He said, look, you know, you gotta, this is the comparison, this is the point of comparison, but we don't understand what the importance of it is. So, you know, there's a halacha that's quoted originally in the Gemara, it's not on the sheet, Uh, maybe I'll get to the sheet. Uh, these are the, the Mishnayot. Okay, let's learn, let's learn a Mishnah. One Mishnah, Dalit. You see Mishnah Dalit? We already talked Mishnah Bet said Mazgulo Kos Rishon. I told you the Kos Rishon is the Kos of Kiddush. But the Kos has to be drunk. Everybody has to drink a Kos of, of wine. Uh, Dalid Masgulo Kosheni. You see that? <laughs> so now a second kos. Here the child, there's this kind of you the whole world turns into a big cheder. And everybody is teaching everybody else. It's not like we do it where everybody says, no, no, I want to say something, let me say something. You know, not like that. That is that the point here is to teach. And if the son is not capable of asking a question, in other words, the Gemara, we know it turns into Chacham and Rasha and Tam. It was the the Haggadah recognizes the fact that we don't live in a perfect world. That you know. Children are not all the same. Some of them are more likely to get involved, and some are less likely to get involved. And it's the obligation of whoever is teaching the Seder, which is what it is. It's not just repeating the words of the Haggadah, but it's somehow there's a teaching aspect to it. He's got to find the words, the language, the way of approaching the Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim to all the different kinds of children that he might have or might be in the, in the Seder. Might be in the, yeah, might be in the Cheder. So he says, 
Manish that the father says, Manish Tana Laila if the son can't say it, Mikol Halilot, Shevichol Halilot. Today, of course, everything is, is, is when kakai. Today, every child who can barely speak can say the Manishtana, and we insist that that's the child who should say it. And that anybody who might understand the words of the question is exempt. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, other, but I don't think that's the idea. I think the idea is uh, clarification. There's a, there's a, like, what's the question? The question is, if I wanted to remember that the Jews leaving Mitzrayim ate matzah, why do I have to get rid of the chametz? It's true that they didn't eat chametz by accident. But why can't I commemorate that without getting rid of all the chametz in sight. That's an interesting question, and that's a question that we might ask. It says, then he goes on with the other, with the other questions. Ulefi, the end of this halakha, the end of halakha dalet. Lefi dato shol ben, aviv belamdo, matchil beginut, the Messiah mishrach, and tell you how you should do it. You should start off saying, gnut about somebody, in other words, say something uh, unpleasant, right? Lashon uh, hara. You, you know, say something that is not that is not usually acceptable. Besayim b'shvach, and then at the end you talk about God and Am Yisrael and how great it all turned out. You have to be, you have to basically be optimistic. You have to basically be optimistic. So. Uh, We'll get back to Dayenu, Amalet Chemeretz Mitzrayim, Rab Simlai, and the teaching of the Haggadah to the children, you know, who should be taught. The Gemara says, the Gemara says, Kol Hamar Be, Areze Meshubach. That's what the Gemara says. We, the more you talk, and then it brings a story about the Tanoim and Bnei Brak, that we're talking about Yitziat Mitzrayim all night long, and then the Talmidim came and said to them, yes, and you know, you have a few other mitzvahs that you have to do. You have to say Kriyat Shema, you have to daven, says, what's this sitting around and talking? Okay, we don't have the response that the Tanaim might have given to the Talmidim who came and said, look, you're, you know, you're doing the wrong thing by staying up all night. We don't have their response. But it's not hard to imagine that Rabbi Akiva would have a response. I mean, he was pretty good at this kind of things. So again, it says, "Kol The Rambam quotes the halacha, "Areza mishubach." It's a good thing. Good thing. Talk and talk and talk. They said, "Well, what is it exactly that we're supposed to talk about?" And we weren't there. We don't know any more than the Torah tells us. And if we add to that whatever Chazal told us, well, that's all we know. There's no Marbeh. There's no Marbeh L'Sapeh Yitziat Mitzrayim, is there? I mean, what, where's the Marbeh going to come from? What, what kind of information do I have? So, you know, in modern times, people say, well, you know, you could talk about any tragedy that exists in the world. There was, you could talk about uh, 
Biafra, or we can talk about Pakistan, okay? but that's not what the Rambam says. The Rambam says you have to talk about Yitziat Mitzrayim. So if I have to talk about Yitziat Mitzrayim, what exactly am I going to talk about? What is it that I'm going to say that is barbed, that is more than I said last year, that is more than I said to the children who were in my Seder a year before? What am I going to say? So you know that there's a machloket in about how many miracles there were. But how many miracles there were in Yitzhak Mitzrayim? Now that's a very interesting machloket because the Torah tells us exactly how many miracles there were. The Torah says, without uh, any kind of embarrassment, that there were ten. There were ten miracles, ten plagues. Ten plagues plagued it. So we have a uh, Atana, Ram Gabriel comes along and says, no, it wasn't 10. I can show you there was 250. 250? 250. I say, how do you get 250 from 10? I'm not talking about the drasha. I'm not talking about the drasha, but how does, it, how does it work? So it all goes back to Dayenu. It all goes back to Dayenu. What did Dayenu say? Dayenu says, you could tell a story. You could tell a story in different ways. You could tell a story, there's a beginning to it, and there's an end to it. So what's the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim? Well, we were slaves, living miserable lives, having difficult times. And then we were free, and we get to Har Sinai and receive the Torah. That's a story. That's a true story. There's nothing untrue about that story. But like every story, where, you know, which has been written and rewritten by novelists and poets and, uh, you know, over, the, over the years, you know, the thousands of years of storytelling, the same story, exactly the same story, but in, in one way, in another way, right, stories compared to something that Shakespeare wrote, the stories compared to something that, that uh, like Paradise Lost, which is a way of telling a story that was told before, or like Rembrandt painting a story of a biblical scene, which was done before. What is it? What is it that happens when the story is being retold? Suddenly, details come to life that you hadn't thought about. That's what makes the story, it's not exactly the same. It's the details. It's the details that make the story. It's the details, it's like what, you, what uh, the Gemara is telling you to do is look very carefully at the kind of given story, the outline, and see if you could find a way of expanding it, of talking about Moshe Rabbeinu's feeling when the people, when he messed up Yitzhiat Mitzrayim, at least the people accused him of messing up. It didn't go so well in the beginning. Or if you want to talk about why Paro was so strong in his opposition, where did he get that inner strength from? So you could talk about that. If you wanted to talk about Aaron HaKohen, his leadership role, his, what's the difference between speech and, and the lack of speech, the lack of the ability that Moshe Abed supposedly had to express himself in a way that would be uh, convincing to all of B'nai Yisrael, so that in the story, in the story, it's like the Gemara, like the Rashi says at the beginning of Vayikra. Remember Vayikra? 
<laughs> the first pasuk in Vayikra. So Rashi says, you know, there are spaces in the Torah. There are spaces, there are, there are blank spaces, like paragraph dividers. A paragraph divider is a blank. It's like, like the two kinds of paragraph dividers in the, in the Torah, right? What is called, what is called? Pei, that's called and Stuma. Right, there was the two kinds of paragraph dividers. One is that you finish writing a line, a half a line, and you start on the next line. And the other paragraph divider is you finish whatever you're saying, and then you skip the space of ten letters, and then you start writing again. So the first one, we start on the next line, is a stronger divider. So the Rashi says, that's what HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu. I want to give you time to think about what you are saying and teaching. You need those spaces. You need those spaces. That's what, that's what Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim is about. So, Kol HaMarba Lesaper Yitziat Mitzrayim, Areza Mishubach, you're telling a better story. It's not just that you're talking, not just that you're saying things, but you're telling a story, you're telling a story, and you can, of course, say that that's what that's what uh, uh, what Shmuel was reminding us about when he wrote Kadesh Urchatz Karpas Yachatz. He said every one of these stations of the Seder is something you could expand upon. You have to remember it in terms of itself. Each thing it just doesn't flow one into the other. You could you could. You know, do a seder in a very short period of time. If you know, you can. It's not really that much. It's not really that uh, that oppressive if you're willing to sit and do it quickly. But if you're willing to think about each of the stages of the seder, and you're willing to say that there is an order, that there is an order to things, and that the order is itself significant, but you don't see the order without Rav Shmuel's list. Then you see in order, you say, oh, I know why we start from Kadesh, and I know why there's Hallel when, when the Hallel comes. I mean, I know it makes sense to me. It's not, it's not any longer a kind of mystery that, uh, that I can only uh, deal with, in, uh, in, with, uh, with difficulty. And so we come to Rav Semlai. Rav Semlai said, you have to look at the creation of the world. And in the creation of the world, God took the trouble to teach us that there's an order to things, and that order is discoverable in the world in which we live. And so the Torah said, and so the Torah said, the Torah said, first, behemach hayava of. You have to understand, the person is to be able to observe the reality. And even though, and, and so from the uh, from the idea of Seder, from the idea of Seder, I think that's where science comes from. Science is entirely dependent on the ordering of things, being able to classify them, to de-jungle the whole world that we see in front of us and put it into either formulas or sexual subway. Like if you look at the list of chemical elements, don't have to look at it. But if you remember it, you probably learned about it once at some point in school. There, 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 there are a hundred and uh, how many? Eighteen, I think. 
hundred and I looked it up. There are hundred and eighteen elements today. They're not all natural. Some of them are synthetic, but that's how many there are. And so what does that mean? It means that when I look at the world, I see a wall, I see a painting, I see a table, but I don't I can't get into it. The chemistry is what, or the chemical elements, what helps me get into something, into a world that's beyond the world that I see. The world of atoms. Atoms and different atoms. You put different atoms together, it's remarkable. They make different things. Like some atoms you put together make hydrogen, and some atoms you put together to make, make helium, and some atoms make plastic. I mean, it's all, it's all a, a question of being able to see into the ordering of things. That's what science, that's what science is based on. Any kind of observation is, ba- is based on that. So, uh, Rav Simlai said, Rav Simlai said, you know, when you, when you try to think about things, you have to have an order in your mind. So the order for Tumavatara, according to Rav Simlai, comes from, comes from the creation of the world and that God created the world and told us about the fifth day, the sixth day, the seventh day, in order to give us a key to understanding the world that we live in. And that's what we, that's what we do. And so Rav Shmuel, Bipal when he, wrote, when he wrote the order of the Haggadah, he wrote it for our benefit. He knew that if we had the order, we would see it more clearly. We would understand it better because we would be able to put together all the things we do in the Haggadah into one kind of a, a theory of, of, uh, of talking, of speech-making, of telling a story. And so I think all these things are connected. Kaddish Yerachatz, Hamala Etchem Eretz Mitzrayim. Oh, we didn't explain that. Hamala Etchem Eretz Mitzrayim. That's the third thing. That once you understand that being able to distinguish the tomb of the Torah of the animals or the tomb of the Torah of people, once I'm able to distinguish that, then I understand that I understand that <coughs> that this this itself changes our status in the world. We're different people. We're the people who have like this little advantage from God about how to see things, how to see the world. And that's why the Pesach says, And that's why Dayenu says, Okay, have a good Shabbos. I would like to, I would, we, we could have a shir next week. Next week. Okay. What? For sure. Okay, next week there's a shear. On the Haggadah. Again on the Haggadah.